But it'd be such a pity not to. Let me at least finish the plan. No, forget it. I won't even charge you for it. Look, really, it's not the case. I just want to clean up the outside walls a bit and maybe tidy up inside and then, well, business starts booming. We'll see. Hmm, it's better if you do it now because wait four months or six and believe me, you are going to lay out. <laughs> you can't imagine the effect that double-digit inflation is having on how... Hi, Larry. How's it going? Oh, good morning. I'm going to have this whole wall finished by tonight. Great. Bye. The outside's okay. Good old 1800s Louisiana. But the interior, I mean, hotels just aren't relevant. heard from Arthur, maybe my favorite character in Luciano Fulci's The Beyond. And hello and welcome to the 185th edition of the Movie Review Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, a presentation, of course, of MySpace, the podcast. For our movie review listeners, this will just be a uh, regular movie review, but I'm going to do, it's going to be a, a three-part, three-parter. I'm going to be talking for a while here. Strap in. And... um for the well, it's going to be the same thing for just the other people on the other podcast listeners. Uh, but this is a presentation on the podcast of ranking things is dumb. It's my third installment of that. I'm going to rank these three movies. These are the Gates of Hell trilogy. Now, you're probably thinking, Jeff, what is what are the Gates of what's the Gates of Hell trilogy? Well, that's a great question. That's a really great question, folks. Trilogy is series of three movies uh, starting with 1980s The City of the Living Dead City of the Living Dead and then two films from 1991 The Beyond and The House by the Cemetery so three films by Fulci Luci I called him Luciano to begin with and that's not his name his name is Lucio Fulci now Lucio Fulci is no longer with us. He passed away in 1996, but he's a kind of a classic of this uh, early uh, 70s. Well, really, really, of a t- he started making movies in the 60s, and uh, so he's kind of a classic figure in the world of Italian horror and genre genre films. Uh, he, I guess he worked in all sorts of genres. He produced some some many 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 dozen films i mean i'm looking at his filmography now and there's got to be a, i would say he directed a good three dozen films maybe more i don't have a exact count here but i and so i just started to get into this uh this this sort of era of filmmaking and i, I gotta say I, I sort of love it um of course dario argento i watched this i reviewed and watched uh suspiria the original suspiria recently and that kind of got my Piqued my interest to what uh, some other maybe maybe check out some other people. Why I focused in on Fulci here is sort of I don't you know a bit arbitrary, uh, but it just I kind of even don't really even remember um, how these uh, how this trilogy came you know 
to my attention. But I sought them out, and uh, they're available. I think some of these are available on Canopy, which is another thing I just discovered, too. If you have a library card, you can log in and get four films a month free from Canopy, which is like a service that the streaming service that's tied to like our nation's li- great libraries, and you can actually watch stream for free uh, for um four movies a month and so that's a pretty cool thing some of these films are on there uh again the for the clip you heard to start the show was from the beyond what we're gonna do is gonna i'm gonna uh, rank the films so we're gonna start off uh doing our little rankings thing and we're gonna go through all of them one by one i also want to announce i guess or say that for the very first time i've joined the world of imdb user critics user reviewers and i have an account and i have written reviews for these three films and i've posted them and by the time this comes out hopefully they all they'll all been uh gotten past the censors or the uh gatekeepers of uh content quality control the first one i did a couple of, a week ago or not a couple of few days ago and it was uh it's up live it's on there and that's the uh the first film in the trilogy the uh, not the, I keep wanting to say it's the, but it's City of the Living Dead. And um, just a couple more w- words on Fulci. I guess so So this, where I started here with his movies, because I think this, these are his most uh, famous movies. And, and so when I went into this, I was like, well, trilogy, okay. Because this first one, City of the Living Dead, uh, is, is um, interesting. The ending is, is one, of the, one of the wackier endings I've ever I've ever encountered uh, just from the tone I, the what the fuck is why this of it and I don't even think I'm giving anything away by just explaining the emotions of this so you have two characters coming out of a t- crypt of a tomb and they see a boy running at them and they immediately or they see a boy could get out of a police car and they immediately smile and they're relieved but then they see him running towards them but they just defeated the the they just won the the movie quote you know quote unquote won the movie and. They're running, and then they then they they immediately shriek. They start to shriek in horror, and then they 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 focus in on the boy again, and the film kind of cracks to to freeze frame ending, and then it kind of and then there's like a crack effect. And I'll share. I'm going to share that on Twitter. Uh, Go to my Otter Boy Twitter. Otter is the handle. Otter Boy, but Otter with a zero to start instead of an O. So Otter Boy is where I'm going to be posting uh, clips from us. Several clips from all three of the movies today in in connection with this review going out. So just kind of a multimedia extravaganza. And that's sort of what I've been doing with that feed. That Twitter feed is uh, partly some of my own art creations and then partly as a vehicle for me to highlight kind of funny or odd clips or interesting clips from uh, films. Um, again... Not you know it's a bit of a copyright issue I guess but I haven't been flagged yet and I th- I think most of these films are under the radar and I'm sort of hyping them up anyway so I don't know I, th- I feel like it's a fair use issue what what have you but I bring up the ending of that movie to start here because when I watch the first when I wa- I watch season order and I wanted to just stress that you don't you don't need to do that I mean you don't you can if you want certainly but there's there's no connection in terms of character plot. Um, you know, even the tone and is 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 kind of wildly different from one one of these movies to the next. So why are they a trilogy? Is sort of like it, the first two definitely have a Gates of Hell element to them. So that's there's that. The third one doesn't have a Gate of Hell Gates of Hell element at all, really. I mean, there's no there's no Gate to Hell happening in in the third one, uh, House by the Cemetery. 
uh, ironically enough. Um, but you know, so but the, it, I I was struck by a how how vastly different they were. They all they all have, they all have the similar kind of that Italian horror early eighties aesthetic certainly, but they 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 managed to kind of be their own unique thing in a, in a in a way that I found kind of cool actually, and I really enjoyed it. And it made it a little more interesting to watch. Although I, I, when I when I got into it, my point being, I just thought I was going to be watching like a trilogy. In my head, I, I hear trilogy, and I hear like uh, the you know, I hear like think of Lord of the Rings, like the story is going to connect. But there's no connection at all. Different characters, different plots. Uh, I think they're all set in New England, in the United States. So there's that connection. But there's there's really other than that, there's not much um, more going on. I guess what what do we also have to say here at the top? I talked about the IMDb. I talked about the clips are going to be on the Twitter page. My handle on the IMDb is, um, and again, I'll probably tweet these out as well on that feed and or somewhere on my uh, movie. I might start creating links to the IMDb reviews on the movies.myamera.ca page, My America Movie Review uh, Database. This is, these are the um, oh boy, these are the I'm now counting these three to the list. Here. I have reviewed an even 220 motion picture, full-length motion pictures. So there's that, and uh, I keep plugging away. I uh, I just uh, I don't know I don't know when to quit. Got a lot of stuff going on in my old personal life, but I said, hey, I'm going to review uh, three Italian horror films from the early 1980s for you. For who? Hmm. Interesting. Let's get the list going. How about that? Number three. Dunwich. Well, I've never heard of it. Uh, how do you know? I mean, how can you be so sure? I read the name. On a tombstone. Mr. Bell, if those gates are left open, it may be the end of humanity. We've got to try to get them shut again. At midnight on Monday, we go into All Saints Day. The night of the dead begins then. And if the portals of hell don't get shut before, no dead body will ever be able to rest in peace again. And so the dead will rise up and take over the earth, and you must have got to get to Dunwich. You must reclose those gates. City of the Living Dead. Now, of course, the the idea of the Living Dead is um, tied... Primarily to the the great zombie movies, um, Night of the Living Dead, of course, being the I think the the origin of that phrase. I mean, that's 1968, right? So, I mean, this is quite a decade or so after that, and um, it makes you think that this is kind of a zombie film. And I, I don't know if I would even I, I don't know if I'd go so far as calling this a zombie film. Oddly enough, the the second film in this uh, trilogy becomes more of a zombie film than this uh, in a way. Uh, but this is a insane movie. Uh, it definitely had the the lowest budget feel of the trilogy. And as I've noted in my review, this is this is this is just beyond convoluted. Of the of the three, and this is why I've given it the lowest uh, grade. Of the three, it has the most convoluted plot. I mean, every five or ten minutes, I feel like they introduce a new character in this. There's no thread. There's no there's no, uh, you know, you, the other films at least have characters that you stick with 
for long stretches throughout the whole movie and you're kind of like okay this is um making sense because at least i have this person guiding me in this film there's like no central characters so it's like you're constantly you know in you know these two are now lumped together and then this one breaks off or this person's killed off and so it's just it's just a, it's so, it's so crazily convoluted that it's it's um it's it's almost it's that's one of the hilariousness uh, aspects of it um but you you're introduced to some of the tropes and some of the filmmaking techniques that would become hallmarks of the Fulci experience. And I'm talking about the eye bleeding scene, of course. And we're gonna this is a spoiler uh, centric episode of the, of the movie review show. So we're gonna be going into all sorts of spoilers. So please, if you haven't already seen these films and you uh, want to see them, you think um, go ahead. Go ahead and uh, watch them, and then come back here. And all this this episode will be waiting for you, nice and cozy, like a little far fire, little foyer, little foyer to come home to. Um, yeah, but so you got you got like the eye bleeding scene, you've got uh, the drill in the head scene. So he uses a lot of um, mannequin close ups. So he'll he'll repel, he'll and and they're actually quite lean. It's quietly they're actually quite nicely done. Uh, the the kind of connection to. Uh, there's a real person and all of a sudden, yeah, then you boom, you get the mannequin in there. And so like, they're kind of seamlessly shot to get, uh, these, some of these gore shots. And so the, the filmmaking aspect from a, just a kind of DIY, uh, actual, no, no CGI at all. Like that kind of old school filmmaking where they had to do all of this with just the, um, brick and mortar and whatever they could kind of with their, whatever their imagination could kind of concoct was really the only things they had at their disposal. And that's, and that's why I love this error of film in general. Uh, I, I've never been a big horror guy, and I've gone over this time and time again, and it's just sort of this recent recent fascination with me. And I think it's because of that angle, because of this, especially these these more low budget ones. I mean, there's two there's two sides of the puzzle. I think there's interesting work being done in current filmmaking here in 2019 in the genre. I think some of the best filmmakers, the films I've seen, especially 2019, Hereditary, Suspiria, remake. I, I love both those films. So I think people are being really inventive in the genre, but it's not. No, it's no surprise that there's such this this vast kind of. Um, I mean, there's so many films. I, mean, I don't know if there's a late twentieth century genre that has more uh, entries than it than 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 the horror genre. I mean, there's just so many stuff. There's so so much stuff from the eighties, and the, the this Italian stuff is just one little kind of uh, nook of it. Um, really, uh, another thing I want to point out. About this and the subsequent movie in the uh, film, the trilogy, The Beyond, is uh, soundtracked by Fabio uh, Frezzi. And uh, just an amazing score. Great. This movie uh, had probably had my favorite just kind of repeat um, central thematic musical line running throughout. The Beyond score is just great because it's like funky for no reason. Like it's like you feel like I'm like it's like a porno intro, and we'll get we'll get to the, we'll talk more about that in a, in a, in, a, at the, in a little while. But um, yeah, I, I put this three in the rankings because of the just the just the plot being just so nonsensical and just so impossible to follow. It's in in I it was it's never really boring. I mean, there's just enough weird shit going on, and like I said, like the gore effects happening that it's never like i'm never i never felt bored but same time uh truly truly nonsensical um but very fun 
a lot of Italian over. So, so in case you don't know, the how the Italians made movies back then in the late, I guess, going back even maybe to the sixties, definitely the seventies and eighties. They filmed actors speaking mostly in English. I think they they always intended the the audience the to, that they were going to have in this was going to be with English speaking audiences, even though all the titles of these movies and the movie posters are all written in Italian. So it's a weird, like I, that that's still very confusing to me. Like who, when, when did they make these movies for, who did they make them for? Like where, how are they marketed to, where did they screen? Because they're clearly using a bunch of English speaking actors. I mean, cause the, they're doing overdubs, but a lot of them are perfectly synced because they're just overdubbing audio from pe- people who are delivering lines that were in English. Now I know Argento used, a lot of Italian actors, and so does Fulci, yeah, even more so, perhaps. I mean, looking at the credits and everything of the uh, cuts that I watched. Um, but again, these movies are primarily they were they feel like they were meant to be presented in English speaking, but it's it's something you have to point out because this overdub thing is just fascinating to me, and it, and it gives us the it gives the movies kind of like an otherworldly quality like it, it it's like an it's like another layer to the films being the weirdness is just seeing everything kind of like you know that they're they're recording these lines in in a, in a sound booth like after the fact it just it it's it's already they're already weird enough but then it's like you like think about that fact that they did that it's like huh that's just that's just so weird like why what is, what is why did they do that and so it's like sorry my, my my leg was bleeding just now i'm not even kidding you i just looked down and my leg had a just blood coming down which is fitting because we're talking about gore. Um, but like I said, I, I think there's a clear winner in this trilogy, and you'll know what that is because there's only three. There's only, we're only ranking three things. So as soon as you uh, hear what the second film is, you'll know what the number one thing is. I feel like the number three and number two films in the trilogy, this film and the next film we'll talk about, are in that kind of seven out of 10 range for me, score wise, I think they're like low sevens. Whereas the other one I think is like almost like a mid solid eight. Uh, Cause I think there's just one film here that kind of does everything just a little bit better than the other two. But moving on with this very short edition of ranking things is dumb right now. Number two. Who that lady is, Bob? She was the wife of Dr. Freudstein. Who's Dr. Freudstein? Oh, it's all a lie. What's all a lie? She's really not buried there. Oh, I know. She's not buried here. Oh, 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 Bob. Bob is one of my favorite characters, and of course, I'm sure you guessed by that the the audio I just played there that the number two entry is the house by the cemetery. Um, the house by the cemetery, of course, the second film from 1981, the final entry in the trilogy. But I'm placing it number two on the list, which of course means that the beyond, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, takes the cake in terms of the best film of the trilogy. Uh, there's a lot to talk about about this film. There's a couple of performances that are are truly astounding, and from their weirdness. And Bob, the little kid uh, actor who you just saw there, was an Italian boy, and I think he delivered his lines in Italian. Uh, 
and we had an oh I, I, maybe a different child overdub or maybe they had him say the words in english either way the two kids talking to each other with these overdubs is kind of hilarious the timing is so bad and they just kind of shout lines at each other uh he has a, that little girl in that scene here she was she's kind of her accents is a little hard to understand uh her name is may she's kind of a ghost child and uh this is the of course the third film is the least uh has anything to do with um Gates of Hell. There's no. There are. No, there are no gates of hell in this. Um, in this film, it does perhaps uh, star the most, I guess, well-known actress. I think by. I'm not sure because it's hard. I don't really know. Um, uh, these. Uh, these act. These act. A lot of these actors. But I think of the most well-known actress is Catriona. Uh, Catriona McCall. She's an English actress. And uh, she, I think, was is she's got gets the top billing in the poster and everything, and she's in, in the uh, credits and everything. So I think she's was sort of a somewhat uh, star of the '70s and early '80s, and you could, at least in Europe anyway. So there's that. Um, but again, the Bob character, played by a Giovanni Frezza. Again, I guess he was he played this this little kid's a little blonde kid. As it had quite the face, and just apparently he was in a lot of these Italian horror movies as a kid back in the eighties. The kid must be screwed up uh, adult. Actually, you know what? Let's because for shits and giggles, let's let's Google Giovanni Afrezza. No, he's he's uh, he looks pretty normal actually. To be honest with you, um, he's most well known for his before being in uh, early eighties horror movies. Like that's I think all he did was. Um, and then on Wikipedia, according <laughs> this is great. On Wikipedia, it says person on the under the personal life uh, header it says according to his official MySpace page, he currently resides in Chicago and is a married father of three children, and he and he works as a director of a multinational technology company. So holy shit, that's fucking crazy. Uh, Giovanni Frezza, the little boy who played Bob in this movie, is the uh, director of a multinational technology company. So take that to the bank, folks. You can you can be anything in this world that you want to be. Take it from Giovanni Frezza. There's another actor I want to talk about now, if I may. Uh, there is an actor who's also in The Beyond. And if the go, if you can just remember, I know it's been so long ago, uh, but if you remember to the beginning of this three-part uh, uh, ranking episode that we did uh, 22 and a half minutes ago, the very first clip... Well, the guy at the end of that clip was probably one of my favorite actors, and he's clearly speaking Italian, and his overdubs are hilarious. And this actor who plays him on screen is hilarious, and he's just um, so there's so much hilarity to him. Uh, where I'm, I had his name saved, but if now, of course, I cannot find it. Um, I think his name is Gianpaolo Saccarallo. Saccarallo. Let me see if I nailed it. Yes, this is him. Gianpaolo. Gianpaolo. Saccarallo. And um, he he sadly passed away in 1991 at the the young age of 39. Jeez. So, well, that's... That sucks. Uh, Because he was in The Beyond and he's in... Uh, he's in this. Um, oh, he was in a car accident. He spent two months in a coma and then he died at age 39. Jesus Christ. Oh, well, um, 
R.I.P. Gian, Gianpaolo Saccaralo, uh, because he's really funny, and I actually want to play a second clip, if I may, uh, right now. Reference material of any kind, feel free to call on our Mr. Douglas. Thank you. <clears throat> Everything's the way Dr. Peterson left it. Those are his notes. I didn't dare move any of his material. <laughs> Are you going to carry on Dr. Peterson's research? Of course. Well, over here, uh, find all the medical reports, uh, death certificates, and lists of missing persons. What did Peterson need that material for? <laughs> I don't know. He asked me to get it. I told him that... Uh, material wasn't pertinent. And? And uh, he answered uh, that he was doing a little private research. <laughs> Do you know anything about it? No. But knowing Peterson, I'm sure it's something fascinating. <clears throat> well, <laughs> if you need me, I'm in the next room. Thank you. You know where uh, he hanged himself? There, from that railing. Oh, Mr. Douglas, played by the late Giampaolo Saccaralo. 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 Uh, no, that guy's that guy's great, and um, in both this film and The Beyond, which we'll talk about in a moment. He is a he's a bit of a red herring type of a character because you know you you get some creepy vibes clearly did you get some creepy vibes from that clip please tell me you did because you'd be insane not to I mean he plays even a bigger creep and a weirdo in um the beyond but ne neither of the films is he really has a anything to do with the kind of the evil goings ons going on yeah. It, the beyond he's a little it's a little bit he's a little closer tied to uh closely tied to it and in a way that's very ambiguous and not explained at all but uh in this film it, he's not he's he's never it's never uh, revealed that he has anything evil going on and i don't know if he did the vo i don't think he did the voice actor uh, stuff with that i think he was speaking in italian and he had another actor come and do the voices I, it's it's very it's hard to um uh, it's it's hard to know for sure uh, how they how these movies are made. I mean, I guess it's, it's not hard, it's not impossible to know. I'm sure there's actually information out there one one can look up. But needless to say, it's hard for me to know because I don't know right now, and so I can't tell you. That that's that's how you that's a good podcast content, right? Just me babbling on about um, things I don't know about. That's that's good content, right? This is going well. The thing about this film that is off. And I liked it a little bit better than the um, the. I keep on saying it's city. It's just the. It's not the city. It's just city of the living dead. The thing I liked the house by the cemetery a little bit more than city of the living dead, is because there are less characters. It's certainly the most streamlined of all of the pictures. Now this takes a turn at the end, and we're going to get right into some major spoilers, because the, this movie has. It wants to do a few different things. It wants to really kind of work in the in the slasher genre. I feel like it's the most closely resembling a just a just a 
classic slasher picture where there's a bunch of uh, mur- or murders are being taken place. They're all being taken place in this basement, but clearly they keep coming back to this house. Which is, you're like, when the first person's you know disappearing or showed up murdered in the, in the basement, and maybe 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 leave the house. But anyway, they come back to the house where this is set. There's a, there's very there's very few settings in this film. Uh, again, makes. Some of it makes a, not a lick of sense. I mean, the the motivations of some of the characters. There's a babysitter character that you're just like constantly like, what the f- why? Like, what is what is what the hell? Like, it, it's just so the her motivations are just so murky. I mean, she's a red herring essentially as well. Um, but she's aiding and abetting the killer. It it appears at first, uh, but then she just ends up becoming fodder and she's killed herself. This is Anne, the babysitter now with the, the very beautiful Italian eyes. And uh, so that character is just, um, it's not clear. What, what, and then the dad character, there's, there's a mystery behind him that's sort of like alluded to. And the the beyond, uh, all of these films have this issue where you're just sort of like, man, they clearly, they're going for a depth of plot here that they're like not pulling off at all. But you sort of just have to applaud just the fact that they're going for it. I And I found myself thinking that, um, pretty much at the end of every film, the because every one of them has <laughs> has a sort of twist ending. I'll say so. This end, this movie has a um, direct kind of explanation on screen for what's happening, and that the killer is this guy who's 150 years old that kills people because he uses their cells. He's like a mad scientist character who everyone thinks is dead, and he's lived in that house. Uh, he's the guy referenced, the husband of the guy referenced in the first clip I played, Dr. Freudstein or something. And so he's this doctor. They figure out that he's, oh, he's actually the killer. He's been living in this basement for 150 years, uh, committing murders to then, cause, and they show him at the end. He's a really creepy looking kind of monster character uh, that, you know, shows up at the end and kind of moves very slowly and somehow is like, even, you know, he's got superpower strength, even though it's sort of like, well, that doesn't make any sense, but. He ends up killing the mom and dad right in front of Bob, the little kid, which is just hard to watch a little bit. But so they go to at length to explain the fact that he's just a monster living off of kind of regenerated cells of the people he kills. But then it's like, okay, there's that. They they explain that. And then they go and do this kind of trick ending where Bob is then pulled up to safety by the ghost little girl who he's been seeing the whole movie. And then they're in like sort of alternative reality where like it's, it's like time has rewound and they're back in like the 1800s or something. Cause the, 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 the guy's wife is up there. So there's like a lot going on in terms of like, what is real? What isn't real? What, what happened? What did not happen? There's little, they, and they drop little hints about this. Like, I don't, I don't want to just say like they did, they tacked this on, I don't understand it, or I don't know quite what they're going for, but but they certainly there's a one part where it's like, oh, you where they're referencing the Bob's dad, and they're like, oh, you came here once with your little girl, right? He's like, I've never been here before. He's like, and I have a son, and so that's clearly like, clearly like who's who, what time is what time are we in? Uh, so l- like I said, big big ideas that um, don't work at all, and uh, and they're they're done in a way that's very convoluted, but they look nice. Like the these movies look great. I think they they they're really like for for the budgets they they're working with, they're such like a you know the, the, the I don't know what I'm trying to say the the energy is just like a it even though there's dark movies like there's just something like I I like watching them because there's such a clear 
positive force putting them into the world because these people are really going for it. They're just going for big ideas. They're trying to make the most of every every penny that they have, every shot that they have, you know, whether it's lighting, whether it's sets, anything. I mean, it's just just the whole the whole shebang in terms of filmmaking on on the budgets that they're working for are just to me um something that's really like commendable and in a lot of ways remarkable. And that's why I really like this film uh as well. But I will give it a I gave the first one a 7.129. Is that correct? Does that check out? Check the database. Bleep, boop, 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 beep, boop, boop. Bleep, boop, 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 beep, boop, boop. 7.129. This is, oh, God. Why did, did I ever commit to doing this weird thing with the scoring because it makes uh, I just below I so I have the first one just below the 2018 Halloween remake which sounds about right and I have this one just above it by a few by a few movies um at 7.209 well you know what I'm bumping this up again I'm going 7. Point, I'm going 7.229 and that puts it just below the brood the Cronenberg film which I think is I have too way too low I think if I rewatch that again I have to bump that up to an 8 cuz I think I would I would appreciate that more so I'm going seven point two two nine, a uh, tenth of a tenth of a point higher score than uh, City of the Living Dead. And the last thing I want to mention, the last thing I want to mention, and did I tweet about this? Did I post about this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? The film ends with a insane. Where is it? Where did I do? Where did I put this? Uh, did I, maybe I didn't post this. Oh, I did. No, I know where I put it now. Right, hold on. 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 Okay. Hold on. Uh, I'm getting there. Getting there, folks. Bear with me. The. Okay. So the, the film ends on a. It, I had to Google the. I had to write. I literally had to write down on a piece of paper the italian language words because it says uh, there's a there's an end quotation in italian and then it's attributed to henry james the american author so i'm like all right let me figure out what these were what the words are i don't speak italian i can't read italian so let me just write this down and i'll google it and we'll uh you know and bob's your uncle speaking of bob little boy in the movie um i'm actually gonna pull up the ending right now Easily do this. Anything's gonna work now. We'll see. So Bob, uh, I'm just get the movie up right here. Here we go. Um, it's about to, I'll, I'll try. And I'm gonna read it in Italian first because it'll be funny to hear me try and say Italian words. Um, yeah, the film ends with Bob, the little girl, and the little girl's ancient mommy. I guess in some some place apart from time, and they're walking away from the house down down a path. And kind of away from everything, so it's sort of like, is he saved? Is the kid gets? Did they save the kid? Who knows? Who cares? Whatever, right? Like it's it's just it's get, trying to if you're into in it to if you're into movies for plots that make sense, like this this guy's not not for you. That's what we've learned here. And uh, here is here it is ready. It's nessuno sapra mai se i bambini. Sono dei mostri o mostri sono bambini. 
And so translated in English, that says, no one will ever know whether the children are monsters or the monsters are our children. So get the, I'll read that again in English. No one will ever know whether the children are monsters or the monsters are children. And so he attributes that line to the author, the famous American author, Henry James. But according to IMDB, and this is just a user, and there's the only place I could find this because there's th- that line sounded familiar to me, uh, but apparently it was fabricated by Lucio Fulci and then attributed to... Henry James and 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 that is just think about that like that's just wild like it's just like not ending ending on that line which sounds sort of it has like a gravitas that like it sounds it does sound like something like a, something like a Henry James or something somebody would say and so you're thinking about that like okay huh Henry James but I if it was and if it wasn't in Italian I would have just taken it as a quote by Henry James and I would have been like fine but the fact that I looked it up I found it was fabricated by Lucio Fulci to add to the thing for no reason like wild and i'm trying to find any other information to kind of like back this up um on the internet and i i I literally cannot uh find anything else there's there's an angel fire page uh that uses the quote as part of their review of the movie and um they take the quote as Henry James and uh, as as a Henry James quote. So it's just um, I'm all right. Here we go. Ready? Maybe the most pertinent question about HBTC is who the movie is about. Is Bob the focal point, or perhaps is it Norman? If we were to believe the Henry James quote superimposed over the final shot and is the guiding is the gilding force behind the story, then a connection between Bob and the Freudsteins would be implicit. This is actually this actually the guy's making a nice point about the what's actually happening in the film that I think is that there are, that is an element I thought about with that because of that quote but it, it's it's just crazy that it's not it's not even that's not a real quote like why 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 did I just write that on the the screen as as a as a as like a, as a final saying instead of actually putting someone behind it that didn't say that now I, I, maybe he did say that but you would think if you quote it like there'd be more um, information behind it if you did. Because it's the only time, if you Google that phrase, it t- translated from the Italian, the only thing that comes up is the fact that this movie. So I, apparently, I, I guess he did fabricate it. Holy shit. Uh, I just stumbled upon this Angel Fire. Remember Angel Fire? It's still kicking. Angelfire.com is where you could kind of make your own free website. And they all and they were just like all on the angelfire.com domain. This is just a classic angel. This is... um. Angelfire.com slash biz3 slash notorious1 slash hbtc.html. That's where I'm reading this on. And I'm actually going to, actually, just reading that one guy's paragraph. That's he made some nice points. I'm going to try and read this whole review now because it's some interesting content that you would not normally just kind of popped in front of you. And that's, I like when, I like when that kind of stuff happens. Uh, okay. Number one. Eliza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. All right. Granted, that uh, audio clip doesn't play out super well in the audio-only format that is 
podcasting that is audio clip movie reviewing. But I wanted to put it in because it, was, it wouldn't have been my favorite shot of the film, and I'll describe it for you now. So let me be your eyes, as they say. Uh, you're looking at a a long bridge. I guess it's um, this is this movie takes place in New Orleans. So I, when I was said earlier, remember when I said earlier that the, all three of the movies take place in New England? That was a lie. I misspoke. I forgot, I forgot this, but this is a big kind of a big point that this movie is in New Orleans. New Orleans, as I say, I say New Orleans. <laughs> and uh, so they're on some sort of long bridge. I guess it's uh, some. Like, I assume it's a, in a real bridge down in, in in the New Orleans area, around the swampy area around there. And and uh, it, this is a really cool shot because it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful cinematography. There's there's the shot of the long bridge with the blue, bright blue sky, not a cloud in the sky, uh, on the horizon. You're looking at it from just sort of a center, very symmetrical shot. And uh, our lead character is is uh is is driving, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the road, is a mysterious blind character who's got these glazed over kind of. What is what do you call it when the when blind people have those eyes that are just like mutantly yellow looking? And not to, not to offend anyone, but you know that like yeah, they're just like that's like a, I think it's like a sort of a con- real condition that people. I don't I don't maybe not. I don't I don't know I don't fucking know these things. Um. So so there's that she runs she's just in the middle of the road with her with her big ass German shepherd dog and she's very creepy and it's but it's the middle of the day so you're kind of this thing it's there's a lot of juxtapositions in this film and this film is a delight this is this to me this hit on all of the elements that you're looking for in this type of horror film and to me and I think I'm not alone by saying it's the best of the bunch by a long shot. I won't play any more clips. We've already been uh, we're on, we're past the forty minute mark here. I like to keep things tight, so I'm not going to play any more clips of the film. But I mean, I think it's considered the best of the, the bunch by by most people. It's certainly the most polished and had the most money behind it. I I I just assuming this. I don't have any kind of hard data in front of me, but it just it certainly looks like the the most well put together of the three. And and there's again, is it completely um, insane and you never know what's going on half the time? Of course, that's I guess that's sort of a high uh, hallmark of uh, this this age of the cinema, especially especially this guy's movies, in specific uh, specifically. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's 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 great. It's 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 um, there's so many cool elements to this film uh it starts off and you're in this very sepia tinted uh 1920s uh new orleans uh scene where there's a warlock a guy they think is a warlock and he's sort of strung up and he's um tacked to a wall and they dose him with acid they kill him they, they just throw a bunch of hot or molten something on his face and he starts melting and as they start doing that this funky soundtrack kicks in and this will be one of the clips. I'm actually going to play this clip with video on the Otterboy Twitter with Otter with a zero. And so you can check that out. Uh, it'll be coming out today. I should mention today being April. I'm recording this on April 11th, uh, 2019. Uh, once this is, this is all going to come out today, I'm just wrapping it up here. So you know, the film opens up on this sepia-tinted scene, of course, with this guy. The Once the acid starts melting his face to see a skeleton behind him, then you get the funky soundtrack kicking in. And this is by far the funkiest of all the soundtracks of the three movies. It's got great music throughout in this one. 
and um, everything you want to see, all the flaws and all the prowess of this type of filmmaking are on full display here. Uh, another scene that I want to point out. There's a scene where this little redheaded girl, uh, she goes into a morgue looking for her mother. But she, what she doesn't know is that her mother somehow, the scene right before the mother was standing up, right? She's looking at a, 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 a teetering uh, glass holding a liquid. And she's just like, ooh. And then she's shocked. Like, she's like, what's that? That's scary. Doing it on its own. And uh, so she's, you're like, okay, that's a little weird. Then, then the next shot you see, she's on the ground. This acid uh, water is really not, it's not water. It's, it's not any kind of uh, normal liquid. Some sort of acid was in the, in the vial and it's, it's pumping. It's literally kind of uh, it's pouring on the, her mother's face, melting her mother's um, skin away. So many questions. How did she get on the position where she was literally laying just flat on her back underneath where the water spilled, the acid spilled directly onto her body from before the shots where she was just standing up across the room looking at that? What drew her over there and put her in that spot to then have the acid bath kill her? Um, okay, so right there you're just sort of like that makes no sense. But what you're watching is the, the 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 but the actual filmmaking of that, the actual like forget forget A to B, forget how do we get from point A to point B. Just what you're watching is so wonderful. I mean, this clay, this sort of. Um, uh, this fake human mannequin that may have built out of some sort of mute clay that just dissolves and the acid, the actual acid melds with the red fake blood and this fake blood bath coming off of her mother starts seeping closer. This foamy, acidy, red blood, fake blood bath on the ground on the linoleum floor of the morgue starts pushing itself like a blob towards the patent leather shoes of the little girl. It's a great shot. It's this, this creeping red foam shot of the acid about to touch the, her, her leather shoes. She panics. Why not run out the exact way she came in? Again, this is, these are not the questions you ask in, in, a, in a movie like this. Do not ask questions like that. Because what she does it, do is she opens up all the refrigerator doors until she finds what appear to be zombies coming at her. And then zombies aren't mentioned again or, or referenced again until the last 20 minutes of the movie, which are insane. I mean, the last 20 minutes of this film are just wild it becomes a full-on they're in the hospital so they go back to that same hospital where you saw the zombies and the little girl and everything and there's so much going on that i can't i can't explain to you the blind lady character her connection to our main character whether her names emma and elena i think their two names were they're related in a weird way that's never clarified and never it's never really clear so there's that whole uh, craziness going on where there's something happening there. They make a point in one scene where they where she watches her go out the door. Like you're thinking for a second, I was thinking like, is she the dog? Is she like a spirit animal? Because the one time you see like they just they, just, they focus in on some shots. We're just like they're they're trying to say something here. I don't know what they're trying to say here, but they're trying to say something. And the the end of the film is just it, it becomes a full fledged freaking zombie movie where they're in a hospital full of zombies. Right, like her and the uh, this one doctor character, and the, and then they, they again it took it took three movies to streamline the amount of characters that they used, but this movie has a okay blend. I mean, there's still probably too many too many characters in this one, but um, for the most part, it's the girl and then this doctor guy who uh, his motivations again aren't super clear why he's so into this case uh, necessarily, um, but then there he has a gun and they're shoot he's shooting zombies. He must fire. I don't know. 
35 shots before he realizes that the only way to kill these things is by shooting them in the head. That's frustrating. Um, because he clearly they make a point so many times on the actual film that like this isn't hurting them, but when he sh- shoots them in the, the head, they fall down dead. It's classic zombie bit, right? Like, so you're just like, okay. Um, and then it transitions to the very end. But one more thing I want to talk about before we get to that, the talk about the very end, super spoiler. But um, they, they have this crazy out of nowhere, I guess it's a bit or a joke. It's just anti-union uh, where like they, they go, these two characters go on uh, this anti-union rant. Are they making fun of unions? Like it's clear, it's clear joke at unions. And I'm just like, oh, this is such, this is like such Italian fascism, just like, like, rearing its head just and just what a weird subtle way to just like throw this in like the middle like the middle of the film but then that like little anti-union joke goes right into one of the craziest scenes that goes on so much longer than it needs to which is these tarantulas eating a clay mannequin on the ground uh this character that goes on for like i swear to god it must go on for 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 an eighth of the movie is this scene of just these tarantulas eating this clay mannequin and that's that's again another hallmark of this guy's movies. Apparently, is just just scenes that go on and go on. It's like what they never end. Like the gorge is like, it's like we get it. These, the tarantulas are eating them alive. It's like okay, but again, it's beautifully done. I know I kind of know why they put in so much of the footage because they the 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 replace shots. Uh, I guess was that what the official word for that is when you when you um swap out the the actor for the for the uh, special effect mannequin. Uh, is is just wonderful. I mean, it, you can see it. It's clearly it's not him bleeding, but it's it's just such it's so nice to see this kind of like DIY again brick and mortar. I know I've used these these terms and these have been kind of repeating myself, but uh, I I do think this is why the movie works and is so great. And I think my final score is probably a little little high. I'm probably on the high side here. Just compare just just by comparison to what I gave the other two movies. I don't know if they're this far off, like in just terms of difference and quality, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll roll with it. I think I I think I already looked to make sure this score is correct. I am giving this an eight point four, uh, an eight point four nine nine. Actually, that's way too high. Now that I look at my list, I can't, I can't put this up higher than some other movies that I really really enjoy. Let's do an eight point. You know what? Let's just do an eight point. I'm gonna go eight. Put this a little higher than the than the original Suspiria. So that that's again putting in a in a good company eight point two nine nine eight point two nine nine. So there's a lot of twos and nines here on these scores. That 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 makes me feel good. There's a there's a correlation and connection between them. Cosmically, there's some sort of connection with these movies. Clearly, uh, even if they work in, as a just a classic trilogy. And I guess this is you know the, I'm I'm probably making too big of a deal out of the whole like the fact that they're they're not sequels i mean a trilogy doesn't have to be sequels i understand that like there's a whole and i think this type of thing was done more in the late 70s and 80s um you don't see it done at all today because well movies suck for the most part and mainstream movies are just rehashed bunch of bullshit um from ideas that already have we've already had so not to not to rant on that the end of this movie though so it's a full-on horror movie for the most part, set in this sort of haunted hotel where there's stuff. There's a Gates of Hell thing happening in the basement. There's a monster in the basement uh, who subsequently they end up finding that monster's body, and then that ends up in the morgue. Um, and, but there's a bunch of supernatural stuff going on. Of course, the blind girl and her dog, and it's all very again convoluted, very creepy. 
very weird. Uh, very some some great gore. Eye, eyes pop out, and uh, a woman is impaled on a nail on the, against the wall, and so on and so forth. But the movie then does does become a full on straight up zombie film, and this is the last twenty minutes. They're in the hospital, and they there's about fifteen minutes of them just killing zombies in the hospital, and then they go to a basement inside the hospital, and then they're in they're back in the hotel. The basement of the hospital leads to the basement of the hotel. And and it's like what why this the they were just in the hospital and now it's back they're back in the hotel and then they get to the basement and which is again now they're in the hotel basement and they they travel through one of the gates maybe and they're in the gate they've they've descended into hell essentially they're in a field of dead bodies that that's like it's very artfully done it's like a matte painting I think shot that they they use uh, with the with the actors. Um, and it's then it pans to the artist from the very beginning of the film, the warlock character who they killed in the 1920s New Orleans, and it's the same thing he had been drawing. The landscape that the the two characters are in at the very as the credits come up is the same uh, as the um, painting. I think the painting starts to bleed at the end too, which which is I mean no, maybe the painting started to bleed earlier in the film, but anyway, it's it's the same it's the same scene scenery is the is that painting is the landscape that they're inhabiting at the very end of the film. Oh, so there you have it. Um, I think that about wraps up for me. We've gone here 53 minutes and counting here on the old ticker. And uh, I don't think I have much more to say about this. Again, I'll rank them again. Gates of Hell Trilogy. Lucio Fulci. I uh, recommend all three of the movies. These are all recommended scores for me. I give them all a thumbs up, if you will. But I would rank them uh, number three. The first in the series. City of the Living Dead. Number two. Last in the, the trilogy, uh, 1981's House by the Cemetery. And then also from 1981, the number one film by a fairly wide margin, in my opinion, that you need to see just because just it's the most polished, uh, creepiest. I thought, I thought just the straight up funnest. I think it's also the shortest one by a minute or two. Uh, they're all about 90 minutes long. But I think this one actually was even the shortest one to be on. It came in like 87 minutes. They're all they're all real tight. They don't you know they this guy clearly wants to get you in, get you out. Had the best music as well, the beyond. Um, yeah, I give it a I give it a solid eight, definitely a solid eight score uh, for me on my uh, grading system. And again, you can go to movies.myamera.ca to find out all of the scores of 220 films that I've now given my thoughts on record on on uh, on recorded medium such as it were such as it is such as it is because it is now it isn't happening now we're doing it now yeah this is live to tape here i'm recording this in philadelphia when my last you know what this is kind of a bit bittersweet to me at a personal level because it's just, i'm moving out of philly and uh good lord i don't even know if i started this project the movie review show and the podcast in general or this iteration of the podcast and movie review show if I even began it when I lived in moving back to New Jersey, so I'm um, born in New Jersey, you can die in New Jersey, and that's in the, and that's a good way to end it. Because this was a, these movies are a lot of, but there are a lot of death in the movies. So let's talk about uh, the, my my. Why not talk about my death? No, I'm just that being bleak for no no point. Uh, but I do have a lot going on. I'm moving out of Philly. I uh, will have a studio. Uh, I assume in the, in the months of uh, mid to May to into June into the summer that things are going to slow up for me uh, in terms of um, podcast recording, but we'll make the most of it and we'll do what we can 
and I'll try and get out. I, I, I try and watch films. Maybe I'll, I'll figure out different ways to do this. Posting these textual, uh, they're they're real short. I mean, I've been writing like a hundred or two hundred word reviews uh, for these three films. And I'm going to post them all up on my username on IMDb. I don't know if you can Google it by that. Uh, again, I'll put the links in all my stuff now for the IMDb reviews. Uh, on that, I'll put them on the IMD that uh, the page on um, my America website as well. But I'm going to be doing these short textual reviews, so I'll still be doing those. I'll still be categorizing all the movies and ranking them. I think. Uh, and the, the they might I might be experimenting with even a sh- this is long form I might go back to sh- super short form where I just kind of go get in get out with a minute or two review of some stuff uh, so this is the evolution of the show the evolution of the program the evolution of a life the evolution of a human uh, living in amongst a society that uh, you know maybe uh, ain't buying what he's selling and that's what else, what else can you do but you know you just keep plugging away. And that's my message for you today and this day. Take care of, what does is, what is Jerry Springer say? Take care of yourself. And take, take care of yourself and each other. I tried to do a Jerry Springer accent, but that didn't work. Okay. <laughs>